Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. I bet you didn't know announcements could be fun. (laughs) I'm Pastor Mark. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. As Jarrett mentioned earlier, we are in a series called Amazing Grace. This week, we are in week three. I'd like to begin by asking, uh, by a show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie Transformers? Raise your hand. Okay, most people. There's an epic moment in the story where where it appears as if the bad guys might win. Remember the Decepticons? I love that name, Decepticons. That's so symbolic. (laughs) It looks like they might win. But then something amazing happens, and it's a game changer. And we have a clip of that scene. It's very short. Uh, Let's watch it and see what happens. The AllSpark. It was this cube that gave the robots life and power. What if I told you that God has something better than the AllSpark for you? We're going to take a look at just four verses in Titus chapter 2. So if you would turn there and let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is rich and deep. But apart from you, Lord, we don't understand your ways, we don't understand you. So we invite your spirit here this morning to reveal and to teach. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would allow us by your grace to let your word land in a place where it finds a home within. Lord, where we believe and receive what you say. And so, Father, make your word real, make it alive. I pray that it would take root and that we would grow in our experience with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This passage is packed, and we're going to delve into it a little bit at a time. The letter is written by Paul to Titus. Titus was a young leader in Crete, whom Paul left there to help establish the church. Titus was confronted with challenges of false teachers who were creating problems for the church. And to address this, Paul gives Titus guidelines on leadership and how to address the doctrinal issues that were plaguing the new believers. 
Aside from that, the lifestyle of the Cretans was questionable, uh, to put it mildly, because they continued to live lives that were inconsistent with the teaching and with the model of Jesus. Crete was known as an ancient city um, that was known for immorality and a sinful lifestyle. It would have been one of those places where they would say, what happens in Crete stays in Crete. It's interesting that even one of the Cretans described his own people as liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. That's in the first chapter of this book, Titus 1.12. And so it's not surprising that Paul brings focus to the church's lifestyle. And he encourages the believers that it is possible to be able to live a life that is counter to the culture. So how did he propose that they do this? Let's read it again. There are nuggets in this passage. For the grace of God has appeared. Now, why did Paul say the grace of God has appeared? Does that mean that the grace of God was not visible before? The best way to understand a portion of Scripture is to be familiar with all of Scripture. And if you haven't read the entire Bible, I want to encourage you to begin a reading plan. Um, some people like very structured and kind of organized plan. If, if that's you, um, you can find all kinds of online Bible reading plans to help work your way through the Bible in a year or two. If you're the kind of person that likes something more flexible, uh, you could find a list with uh, little boxes that check mark every single chapter in the Bible. You can just check mark off the ones that you've read and just, as you work your way through the entire Bible. And then after you've read the Bible over and over, the Bible will begin to shed light on itself. And then when you come across a verse like this that says the grace of God has appeared, then other verses will come to mind that will help understanding. So, for example, um, for those who have read the Bible, you may recall John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace. Full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the incarnation of grace. Jesus is the manifestation of God's grace. And so Paul said, the grace of God has appeared. Does this mean the grace of God was not available before Jesus arrived? This is something that Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, gives us further insight. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the grace of God has always been there, but now it has been fully revealed. Now why, why did God do that? The very next phrase says, bringing salvation for all people. Because God's grace is for the purpose of bringing salvation for everyone. 
And the grace of God is revealed so that you and I can be saved, so that we can experience God, so that we can experience life as God intended. It's an amazing gift. Turn to your neighbor and say, amazing grace. Now, I want you to notice this word bringing in the top right corner. Think about what that means, to bring. To bring means something is delivered. The work is done for you. It's free. You don't have to go and find it. You don't have to work for it. It says the grace of God brings it to you. And this is why our message is different from every other message. Every other message says you have to make it happen. You have to know enough or you have to do enough. But the grace of God brings salvation to you. The grace of God brings salvation to everyone. So, does this mean that everyone is saved? If I bring you a $100 bill, what do you have to do in order to be $100 richer? Yes. If I bring it to you and I hold it out, what do you have to do? Yes, you have to receive it. <laughs> and this is true. The first time you experience God, it's true the next time you experience God. You have to receive his grace. <laughs> I'd like us to notice the phrase, of God. We can go to the next slide. Of God. Are we there? Okay, great. Anything, anything of God is infinite. Think about that for a moment. Creation is of God. For example, think about space. How much space is there? Think of outer space. How much matter is there in the universe? Think of all the stars. You know some of those stars that you see out there? After the Hubble telescope, they discovered that some of those stars were not stars at all. They were actually galaxies that were further away than the stars in our solar system, in our galaxy. The Hubble telescope has not found the edge of the universe. How about energy? Think about nuclear energy. You know, anytime a nuclear sub ports on Guam, I wish we could just take an extension cord and plug it into the power grid. <laughs> it would just take care of the whole island. <laughs> okay, and that's just a tiny little power plant inside a submarine. Imagine the nuclear energy of all the atoms in the universe. His power is unlimited. And it's the same with the grace of God. This grace is infinite. It is of God. This grace is beyond what you can imagine just like the stars. 
This amazing grace is beyond our grasp. I mean, there are stars so far out, you can't even see them with the regular eye. There are things about God's grace that we can't even perceive yet. Some things will be revealed, we will be blown away when we are in the presence of God to fully experience his amazing grace. This is another way of saying to you, it does not matter what you have done. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you have done that God's grace does not cover. His grace is infinite. It's all, our entire life, past, present, and future, it's all covered by the grace of God. But, like the $100 bill, whether it's the first time or the next time, you have to receive it by faith. This next section in the passage talks about how we should live, and that's very important. But before we talk about how we should live, I'd like to talk about how God changed you when you received Christ. And this passage alludes to it, and then we'll come back to how we should live. So let's, let's read this. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. And then down below it goes on to say, He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And I want us to focus on that word purify. How is it that God has purified us? And by the way, this just isn't like a, a label change or a status change on paper. This is referring to something that is an actual change in real life. And so how has God changed us? How have we been purified? To be able to live like the previous part of the verse describes. How is that? He removed the sinful nature, but I still struggle every day. I want you to notice it says he performed a spiritual circumcision. This is something that happens in your spirit. We are tripart, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the innermost part of your being. By the way, this is controversial in some circles. Some people are not convinced that we really have a spirit. You may be in process, that's okay, but I'm going to present to you a view that is commonly accepted within Christianity. The innermost part of our being is our spirit. Then you have the soul, which consists of the mind or the intellect, your feelings, and also your emotions. And then there's also your will, your volition, that ability to be able to make choices. These constitute your soul. And then you also have the body, the physical body. We are spirit, soul, and body. And in the innermost part of your being, Paul is saying here that when the Holy Spirit came into your life, he cut away, he removed the sinful nature. And he gave you a new nature that is holy and righteous. 
And now you are in right standing with God and able to have a relationship with him, able to have fellowship with him. But again, why do I still struggle? There is another verse that gives us insight. It's found in Romans 7.23. Paul says this. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells where? In my members. Paul now is not talking about the spirit. He's now talking about your physical body. He's saying that in the actual members of your physical body, sin dwells there. And so there's a struggle that goes on between your spirit, which is holy and righteous, completely new. 1 Corinthians 5.17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. All things have become new. Paul's talking about that spiritual circumcision. But here he's also noting that in the physical body, sin still exists. And so there's this struggle. that We're in this battle between our new nature and our old nature. But if we will let God the Father train us, eventually your spiritual, your, inner, your innermost being grows in strength, in faith, in belief, in trust, in transforming its beliefs about who I am, who I am in God, and then eventually, little by little, you get more and more victory over the sinful nature. So, these two conditions exist simultaneously. You have a new spirit, but sin still indwells, still is in the physical members of your body. This is why your body will die, but your spirit will go to be with the Lord forever. Meanwhile, there is this battle between your spirit and your physical body. But eventually, because God is training you to live a godly life, you, you gradually begin to overcome as you learn to align with God and what he has done and what he says. And so, now that we have considered parts of this passage, now I want us to come back to what the passage says we should do. At first, I wanted to talk about who we are. It's important to understand what God has done in you to understand your new identity. Because it's out of your identity, and, I, and I, maybe I want to say this a different way, it's out of what you believe about yourself that your behavior will follow. If the beliefs you have deep inside about who you are, what God has done, are aligned with God, then your life will begin to follow that belief. If we still have these old beliefs about, oh, I'm limited, I can't do it, you know, um, it's hard, I, I don't really know the victory and the freedom that I have in the Lord, then my behavior is going to follow those beliefs. So it's important to talk about who we are first because out of what we believe about who we are will, will come our behavior. And so um, if you put behavior first without knowing about what God has done, without knowing who you are, we end up with legalism. We end up with a list of do's and don'ts. And there are plenty of places who come across that way. Well-meaning, um, but maybe missing a few things. And I want us to be able to live the life, but in a way that is life-giving. 
in a way that is organic, in a way that isn't striving. This is how Jesus could say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When you come into the truth, he says, the truth will set you free. If you don't have all of that, man, the Christian life is a drag. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts, and it's taking away my freedom, and it's no fun, and, you know. But when God's life is working in and through you, I'm happier this way. I want to live this way. I, I'm not happy when I do live my old life. I remember when I first became a Christian. I went back to my old life to do those old things. You know what? It just didn't cut it for me anymore. I didn't get the satisfaction. I didn't have the joy anymore. It was like something changed. Back then, I didn't understand it. It's taken 40 years to figure all that out. But as the Lord begins to reveal, I'm like, oh, that's what happened. I'm a different person now. I live a different life. So, we talk about what we do after we talk about who we are. Now that we've talked about parts of the passage, I'd like us to go back and read the whole thing again in context. We can go to the next slide. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Here's that last part. When you have your true identity, then it becomes, like I said, organic. Then it becomes natural. And here he's talking about living it with passion. He's like, who are zealous for good works. If you're not zealous, just go back to who you are in Christ. Go back to the promises of God. Go back to the truth of God's word and what he says about you. Just meditate on that. And then it will flow. It'll flow naturally. Like Jesus said, rivers of living water will just flow out, expressing his love, expressing his heart. Amen. Is that good news? So Paul says that we are to live this new life. How are we to do that? He says it's by his amazing grace. His amazing grace brings it to you. You don't have to strive. You just have to abide in him. You know, I think it was Elmore who said it when he was praying. You know, sometimes we're just hurried and we're harassed. We're rushed. I had a week like that. I think it was in our Thursday staff meeting. I just confessed. I said, you know what? I usually don't feel this way. For, for most of you who know me, I'm pretty chill. But for like Tuesday and Wednesday, I was feeling really anxious inside. And so I said, can we just pray? And I just felt like so many things are happening. You know, the festival, <laughs> church, personal life, just so many things. And so Friday morning, I said, you know what, I'm just going to um, take some time off because I had to work Monday, which is normally my day off. But one of my favorite ways to spend time with the Lord is I like to go to the gym and I like to work out and just put in my earbuds and put on my favorite playlist of worship songs. 
and just let it run. And so I just spent just the whole morning in God's presence and just abiding, listening to the truths of the words of these songs. And you know what? Then peace came. And it was like living the life wasn't striving anymore. It was like, I'm okay. God is good. Life is good. <laughs> God is back. So it's easier said than done. I mean, we all know that <clears throat> although I'm outlining how God has provided for this, it's not necessarily easy. I just want to encourage you that when you invited Christ into your life, you received the full package of your salvation. The rest of this life is now just a matter of unpacking that. It's learning to live it out. It's learning to discover it, to explore it, to experience it. It's kind of like when you were conceived. When you were conceived, you received the full DNA package of everything you need for who you are today. Even when you were a single cell. You had it all. But it had to grow. It had to develop. It had to be, you had to eat lots of good food and exercise and drink water and get training in certain things. Just some of the simplest things like learning how to walk. You know, your parents, they would encourage you. They'd set you up there next to the bed and just see if you could stand there kind of wobbly, you know. And you try to take a, a step and they're like, oh, come on, you can do it. You know, you take another step and then you fall down on your pamper. And they're not standing there going, come on, man, you've been at this for nine, what's your problem? It's been nine months. No, they're like, it's okay, it's okay, come on, get up. You can, no, 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 don't cry. Come on, get up. And they encourage you to take another step and another step because they know, you don't know this yet, but they know that you can walk and that one day you're going to run. And your heavenly father is the same way. You fall down, you feel like crying. He's like, no, 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 don't cry, it's okay. Because he knows, you don't know it yet, he knows that you're going to walk. He knows that you're going to run. And as you get filled with his spirit, sometimes you're going to feel like you're flying in the presence of God. Amen? Good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing, amazing grace. Lord, we are just beginning to understand, just beginning to come into focus the tip of the iceberg of something infinite. And so God, we rely on you because we need something like a spiritual Hubble telescope. And even then, we can't see it all. But Lord, would you reveal, would you teach, would you be the one that allows us to be able to experience in a way that's real and personal. And so if you would this morning, I just want to invite you to come into God's presence and to say, Lord, I'm willing to trust you in the journey. I need you. I need to trust you in the journey to be able to walk, to be able to run. And so, Father, would you, would you help me? And if you would be willing just to say yes to God, God, I, I want to experience life as you intended. I want all of it. I just want to give you a chance to express that to God. 
it starts with a decision. And then just letting him know. It's what we call prayer. Whether you say it out loud or silently in your heart, he knows, he hears you. So I want to encourage you right now just to take a moment to do some business with God. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you will complete what you began. And that you cause things, all things, to work together for good as we love you, as we align ourselves with you. Lord, you see each person here. You know what they're thinking, what they're feeling. You've seen the choices that have been made. And I ask, Lord, that you would allow each one who's said, yes, I want to trust you. I want more of you. I want to experience life in your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would allow them to know your presence, that you would reveal it, and that you would encourage and bring peace and rest and strength in the battle. So God, all over this room, everywhere there's a heart that's making a choice to move in your direction. Lord, I ask that you would seal it. I ask that you would complete it and that you would make it real. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there are some here today that I'd like to talk to. Perhaps you're listening to me talk about experiencing God. And that's something that you've been thinking about lately. But you know that you've never actually made a conscious choice to invite him to be in your life. You've never made a formal decision to say, yes, God, I'm opening up to you and I would like to experience you. If that describes you, and you would like to make that decision today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. What's most important is your, your desire that you make the choice. And then simply expressing that to God, which is prayer. And what I'll do is I'll pray out loud. You can just pray along with me. In the privacy of your heart, God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who's praying with me. And so if that's you, if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if you want to pray, go ahead and look up at this time. God, I'm, I'm sitting here now recognizing that you've been getting my attention lately. And I realize I need to make a choice because of what you've shown me. I know you've been getting my attention. And and so today I'm saying, yes, I'm opening up. I want to experience you. So I open my mind and my heart. I invite your spirit to come in and be with me. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that have been hurtful to me, to others that prevented my relationship with you, but I thank you that you made a way through your son, Jesus. And I receive his forgiveness. I receive your spirit of forgiveness. I receive Jesus into my life. And I ask you to cleanse me from all the things you know, you know what they are. 
And Lord, I ask that you'd give me a new start, a clean slate, to be able to start over. I ask that you would show me how to do that, because the way I've been doing it hasn't been working not very well. And so, Lord, I ask that you would show me life the way you intended it. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.